And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, March the 9th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On March 9, 1933, Congress, called into special session by President Franklin D. Roosevelt, began its 100 days of enacting the New Deal legislation. Today, in 1796, the future emperor of the French, Napoleon Bonaparte, he married Josephine Beauharnais. That didn't work out. They later divorced. Today, in 1841, the U.S. Supreme Court in United States versus the Amstad ruled 7-1 to in favor of the group of illegally enslaved Africans who were captured off the U.S. coast after seizing control of a Spanish schooner, La Amistad. The justices ruled that the Africans should be set free. The reason that they, the judge ruled that way was because of the presentation, the defense that was offered by the lawyer. The lawyer on behalf of the slaves was John Quincy Adams, the son of John Adams, one of our founding fathers and our second president. It's interesting. I know I've read a lot. I, I didn't know them. I wasn't around then. So if, if you're thinking that, just don't pursue that. But I am over 40. <clears throat> but um, I've read a lot about the Quincy family. It's very interesting. But John, John Adams, the John uh, Quincy Adams family, but John Adams, the father, he uh, one of the things that he really imposed and, and raised his, his son, particularly John Quincy, to do was to read through the Bible every every year. And John Adams did that. He probably didn't have any programs published. I mean, there's a lot of them out there now that kind of guide you to read through the Bible every year and so on. But John Quincy Adams grew up on that, and he made a lot of statements, and I'm not going to take the time to quote him here today, but he made a lot of statements about the importance of the Bible and how the Bible shaped his personal beliefs uh, politically, but how it the Bible and the message, the gospel, transformed his life and his relationship with the Lord and so on. Well, this is often not mentioned in history, but it was those convictions that led John Quincy to represent these African slaves who were on this ship and represent them, and he did. And the um, the justices ruled that the Africans should be set free because of his um, defense of them. Today, in 1916, more than 400 Mexican raiders led by Pancho Villa attacked Columbus, New Mexico, killed 18 Americans. Today, in 1945, during World War II, U.S. B-29 bombers began launching incendiary bombs against Tokyo. Today, in 1987, Chrysler Corporation announced it had agreed to buy the financially alien American Motor Corps Corporation. When I hear the word American Motors Corporation, I always think of the Rambler. Wasn't the Rambler made by those people? There was a time when I was a kid, there were a lot of Ramblers around, where at least where I grew up, and then they all went away. You don't see them anymore. Today, in 1989, the Senate rejected President George H.W. Bush's nomination of John Tower to be the Defense Secretary, a vote of 53 to 47. But the next day, Bush, the senior, 
tapped Wyoming Representative Dick Cheney, who went on to win unanimous Senate approval and later, as you know, became became vice president with George W. Bush. His daughter would go on to be used by the leftists, and she would be one of the two leaders of the J6 inquiry, inquisition, as you know. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Bible today and about how it is being used, particularly in some churches today, and misused. But before we get to that, I noticed, uh, got a note yesterday, uh, I noticed that there was a uh, state Republican, uh, Washington state Republican leader, John Braun, he offered a statement following the Senate's narrow passage of legislation that would allow law enforcement officers to engage in vehicular pursuits in more situations than Washington law has allowed since 2021. Senate Bill 5352 was passed by a 26 to 23 vote on the final day of the session for the Senate to act on Senate legislation that is not connected to the budget. Criminals have been able to act with impunity since the majority Democrats put extreme restrictions on police pursuits in 2021, he says. They they know that they can commit felonies, the criminals, without being at risk of being chased. Our communities have suffered great harm as a result of that. Well, they, indeed they have. He's right. I know of a number of stories where the outcome could have been very different if the police would have been allowed to pursue the bad guys. But they haven't been. He's right. He says, for the past two years, Senate Republicans have worked to restore the ability of police to use their judgment when deciding to engage in pursuits. He said, unfortunately, this bill, however, he says later in his statement, he said, unfortunately, this bill as passed will only move our state a half step in the right direction. But at least it is in the right direction. And he's right, it is only a half step. Much more needs to be done. But that's the problem. On any front that you look at where progressive, so-called progressive leftist views are have the majority in state government, in, in a community, a city government, or in the United States. Wherever you see the, the authority that's by election, the authority that is based on progressive views or leftist views, so-called liberal views, you see decline in the culture because they they invariably, they either can't help themselves or they're just given over to this whole notion of government from the left, which is contrary to our founding fathers, I can assure you that John Quincy Adams and his father did not believe in a lot of the laws and the ways that we are are operating today as as a as a country and as communities and as states within that country. But anytime you see progressive uh, people putting in place progressive rooted laws and policies, you could expect decline. Seattle has proven that. Portland has proven that. Other cities have proven that. San Francisco. I mean, it, 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 is, it is fixed. It will put a group of people, a nation, a state, a community, in decline if you put in place these so-called progressive ideas. They are anything but progressive. They are destructive. They are 
anti-biblical, and they are disgusting, to say the least. Now we find out yesterday, President Joe Biden's administration honored a biological male with an International Woman of Courage Award. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It was a big deal. He had his wife there, Jill, and some other dignitaries from the our State Department, State Attorney, uh, Secretary of State, uh, uh, Antony Blinken was there and looking a little wimpy, but he was there. I saw some pictures of him. He looked very w- wimpy, but he, he was there. And um, this Alba Ruda is a man who identifies as a woman and it was one of 11 extraordinary women, according to President Biden and his administration, and was honored at this award ceremony. Outstanding International Woman of Courage Award. It's not a woman. He's a man. A very confused man. First Lady Joe Biden, Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, they hosted the event. The ceremony honors, they said, extraordinary women from around the world who are working to build a brighter future for all. Ruda is a prominent transgender activist from Argentina and serves as the country's special envoy for sexual orientation, gender identity in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, International Trade, and Worship. That caught my attention. This man, who thinks he's a woman, is in charge of worship in Argentina? Boy, I'll tell you. This route is reportedly responsible for getting Argentina's Transgender Labor Quota Act into law, which requires 1% of the public sector, this is in Argentina, 1% of the public sector jobs in the country to be reserved for transgender. No merit involved. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're qualified. Look at Pete Buttigieg. President Joe Biden put him in place because he's married to a man. He's not married, but he says he is. You can't be married to the same sex. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. Well, how do you know that? Well, because the Bible says that. And the Bible is the basis of life. It is God's word. It is God's infallible word. And you can be as elitist and as powerful as you can be, but you're not going to change God's word. You may defy it. You may mock it. You may turn away from it. You may pretend to be embracing biblical truth and not doing so. But in the end, it does not affect the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord stands forever. The Bible says Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Psalm 33, verse 9. The Bible says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. In Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. In Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. These people can do whatever in the name of compassion and all of this all of these religious sounding terms, and they are, I mean we are to be compassionate, 
But they can do all of these things in the context of virtue and compassion and acceptance and inclusivity and all you know all these words and they they keep you know adding words to their vernacular but we can do all of that and we can claim that it's done in the name of the lord these people do not need to be honored they need to be helped they need prayer they need to understand that god has a better way for them but not only do they walk the path of ultimate destruction but they take a nation with them. And that what is so concerning to me in the day in which we live. And today, the day in which we live is our perilous times. And it's very concerning. St. Andrew Methodist Church, it's a mega church in Texas, one of many. They have voted to leave or disaffiliate from the second largest Protestant denomination in the United States. The reason? Homosexuality. The vote in this church, 98.6% to disaffiliate with the one of the very old denominations in America and the second largest. 41 more Texas churches are leaving the United Methodist Church for the same reason, homosexuality. It's dividing churches, it's splitting churches, and it's ripping apart denomination affiliations. Hundreds and hundreds of Methodist churches are now saying no to revising scripture regarding human sexuality. A mega church in Texas, they had their vote, as I said, second largest Protestant denomination in the world, I mean in the United States, and big in the world. St. Andrew Methodist Church of Plano had a congregational vote. 98.6% of those voted in favor of disaffiliation from their United Methodist Church. St. Andrew Leadership says that they're announcing the initial plan to leave the UMC, the congregation engaged in meaningful and productive conversations without regional UMC leadership to finalize terms of the disaffiliation. So they're in the process, and they're doing it right. They're not angry. They're just saying, we can't take this anymore. St. Andrew, they said, will remain an independent Methodist church for some period of of time and will not be affiliated with any existing Methodist denominations. They said that because a number of the Methodist churches are affiliating with other denominations of like mind and like spirit. And they have also created a new um, Methodist organization, denomination, called Global, I think it's Global Methodist, um, is is what they go by, But the United Methodists lost over 1,800 congregations in 2022, mainly due to the denomination's ongoing division over homosexuality. Church affiliation data uh, recently compiled by by the church themselves, by the United Methodist News, it shows a cumulative total of 1,825 congregations had their disaffiliation votes approved by their respective conferences last year. This includes 308 churches granted disaffiliation during the regular process in 2022, plus 1,517 granted disaffiliation during special sessions, all held last year by various regional bodies and so on. Factoring in churches granted disaffiliation since 2019, the total number of churches that have left the second largest Protestant denomination in the United States is 2,003 churches. 
that is a pretty big deal. That's not just a group of people in Texas or wherever that are a little bit disgruntled with their friends and their affiliations. This is much bigger than that. That is symbolic of what's happening in America today. There is a rift that cuts clear to the core of America. It's not racial. It's not a lot of things that the left tries to make it out to be. It's all about human sexuality, and it's about, bottom line, it's really about the Bible. It's about what God says versus what the leftists say. The issue is homosexuality, for sure, but it's much deeper than that. For example, last November, the UMC Western Jurisdiction voted to make the Reverend Cedric Bridgeforth of the California Pacific Conference a bishop, even though he's in a same-sex marriage. This is what these people are having a problem with. I'm not a Methodist, but I've been following it very closely. Frustrations over the debate led many conservatives to conclude that it would be better to form their own Methodist denomination or become non-denominational, whatever it takes. They said, we're not going to go to church every Sunday, sit in the pew and be fed this stuff like Joe Biden is feeding our nation and the world. They said, this isn't God's will for us. The UMC officially labels homosexuality a sin. It does not... <clears throat> Excuse me. It does not allow same-sex uh, weddings. Many progressive leaders within the de- denomination have refused to enforce the rules. The, much like the Republican Party, in this case the church of, of denomination, the truth is in their platform, in their book of disciplines. But they're not following it. They're just saying, yeah, yeah, this is the, the book of disciplines for the United Methodist Church, but we're not going to follow that. And we're going to, you know, elect a guy that's married to another man to be our bishop. This is what these people are are reacting to. And they're not reacting in anger. They're reacting in conviction. Because I've read, I've read just tons of some of the comments that are coming from lay people and other leaders within the church. And they're, they're very disturbed about this. They said, man, it's not right. This isn't what God, this isn't God's plan for the church, and for humanity. There's an Alabama megachurch, United Methodist Church. They voted to leave the UMC. Same reasons. They said the theological direction of the mainline Protestant denomination is not where we are. It's a huge church. Covenant United Church of Dotham, Alabama, which has about 2,600 members, voted last week to disaffiliate. The Covenant uh, UMC pastor, this Kyle Gatlett, he said the majority or the major factors for wanting to leave, and he said, are the direction we saw the denomination was headed theologically. They included that how some bishops are refusing to enforce the uh, United Methodist Book of Discipline rules, prohibiting the ordination of non-celibate homosexuals and the blessing of same-sex unions. I looked, I read the part of the book of disciplines just out of curiosity to see how strongly uh, it was put and how it was entered into this book of disciplines, which is kind of their guide, uh, very much so, in fact. Uh, Here's part of what it says. It says, while persons set apart by the church for ordained ministry are subject to all the frailties of the human condition and the pressures of society, 
They're required to maintain the highest standards of holy living in the world. So they make a holiness statement. I continue, quote, The practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. Therefore, self-avowed practicing homosexuals are not to be certified as candidates, ordained as ministers, or appointed to serve in the United Methodist Church. And yet the left, leftist leadership in the United Methodist Church keeps ordaining and promoting homosexuals. That is the problem within that church. But as I said, this is a mirror image of a greater rift in America. That's what's going on in our country today. It really isn't about political. I mean, I know the the political leaders want you to think that everything starts and, and ends with politics, but it doesn't. This is deeper than that. And the, some of these people are so blinded, the leadership in the Methodist church, in other churches, and in America, in our political system. They're so blinded that they don't know the difference between right and wrong. We're at a time where if Isaiah were walking the streets of America and preaching, he would say that people see good as evil and evil as good. They've turned everything on its head. They've inverted the truth. And the truth is no longer their truth. They have a new truth. Goes on to say that self-avowed homosexuals is is a, understood to mean that they have admitted openly to a bishop, a superintendent, district committee, ordained ministry board, or so on, and other leadership that they are a homosexual. They're not going to go out and start trying to look into people's lives and figure out that it's the people who admit to being a homosexual. They say, you know, God loves you and we love you, but you're not going to be in leadership in this church because that isn't God's will. God bless them for that. One part of the church wants to follow biblical teaching. The other part wants to revise or cancel God's word. So the the issue in the, the Methodist church and the issue in America is not only just about um, homosexuality and, and like Joe Biden's deal yesterday where he's promoting to the world this man who, I mean, identifies as, what is it? I don't want to get off on that. I wonder what it would feel like, I mean, to be a man and think you're a woman. I can't even grasp even a little bit of that. I, as a kid growing up, I never gave it any thought because I wasn't getting hammered with it in my school, my classroom every day. But now, you know, these kids are, are they hear it day in and day out. You know, you may be a girl, you may be a boy, you may be transgender, you may not be anything, and, and on and on and on. I mean, I don't know how I would have processed all that as a kid. I just knew I was a boy and at some point, I started noticing little girls, and some of them were kind of cute, and I ended up marrying one of them. I thought Marjorie was really cute. I mean, I don't, I, I know it's real to them, but is it, should it be leading a nation, the most powerful nation in the world? Should it be leading a denomination, Christian denomination, the second largest in America? I don't think so. I think God's word should be leading us. I'm reminded of an incident. It's recorded in the, in the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. It's ch- chapter 36. I'm not going to read all of the parts of the story. It's a very interesting story. But 
In chapter 36, Judah has been in spiritual decline for hundreds of years. They were worshiping other gods along with the true and living God. They hadn't completely removed God. They had just added other gods kind of around God, kind of like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and others are doing and have done in our own country. Jeremiah came on the scene about 627. He began writing and preaching the word of the Lord. God continued to show his people grace. But chapter 36 includes a story of a very wrong response to the word of God. Brock, the son of uh, Neriah, Jeremiah's scribe, put Jeremiah's prophecies into writing. He even read them to the Judahites when the officials banned the so-called troublemaker, Jeremiah. They didn't let him speak the word of the Lord anymore. They put him in a dungeon and they did all kinds of things to him, put him in a pit in the mud. Jeremiah's prophecies, the word of the Lord, finally caught the attention of some officials. And ultimately, there's a whole story in this, but ultimately they were read before King Jehoiakim. Now, sitting by his fireplace, Jehoiakim began to hear the word of the Lord, which he found very troubling. He didn't like that. As the pages were read, the king took a a kind of a knife or a little sword, a little hand knife is what it actually was, and he would cut the page that he disagreed with, and they were sitting in his home or one of his homes, and there was a fire in the fireplace, and he would cut out this page of the word of the Lord that he didn't like, and he would throw it in the fire. And this continued until the scrolls had been burned because the king had a different view from God. He didn't want to hear the word of the Lord. He wanted to act like he embraced it, but he wanted it to be something different than what God actually said. And this is a mirror image of some of the churches today. They are bent on revising and rewriting and simply discarding the word of the Lord in the name of the Lord. President Biden is an example of such a person. So was a segment of the United Methodist Church. The things the Bible they disagree with are ripped out and burned. Jehoiakim actually tried to destroy the word of the Lord, and he would not be the last. In this biblical account, Jeremiah the prophet rewrote the inspired word of the Lord, so God's word was preserved. It was not lost. The word of God was the foundation of Wesley's Methodist Church. It was the foundation of most of our Christian denominations in America. So-called progressive message will continue to impact the world with their mission to preach the gospel to every creature. Those who choose the word will do so. Those who choose not to follow the Bible, those churches who choose to cut out the pages with which they disagree, will enter a time of slow, sure decline and ultimately irrelevance. Bottom line, God is in control. His word will not pass away. Thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. We need it every month to meet our budget. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you tomorrow.